This is the Epilog audio experience. You wanted to start an online business since college. But how do you begin? You're curious about e-commerce businesses, the fashion retail industry, or perhaps how you may want to do something hutke from your existing family business. But where do you begin? Welcome to Voice of Achievers with me Yashika, finding answers to some of the questions and how you can commercially survive especially as direct to consumer businesses continue to thrive. We're talking to a financial services professional turned passionate entrepreneur Dhruv Toshniwal who branched out from a 40 plus year old family textile manufacturing business to bring new flavors of fashion to the youth he's the founder and ceo of answer fashion private limited which owns several direct to consumer brands including the pant project he's also the vp of business development for his professionally run family business banswara syntex limited which is a listed entity on the nsc and the bsc now dhruv graduated from Wharton Business School worked as a financial services consultant in New York and Latin America before he decided to scale his startup Answer Fashions. He's also a passionate angel investor and a sports enthusiast with a minority stake in the Chennai Super Kings team apart from a few other startups and has independently managed portfolios of small cap stocks. In his free time, Ruv is a keen golfer and a triathlete, and we got him to talk about financial viability of direct-to-consumer brands, peppered with flavors of family businesses, multi-country influences, and how solid finance backgrounds can help entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Ruv. Hi, Ashika. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me. Now think about this. Now, what if a college student wanted to start an online business, selling directly to consumers as a part of maybe their project, their internship? What are the few things that they need to consider before they begin? Yashika, I tell them there's never been a better time to do it. I mean, the cost of launching an e-commerce business has never been lower. Um, you literally need an idea. You need to find a supplier for some product. uh you need to build a website you need to put a story together and that's the key to this you know a really compelling story that draws people into your brand or that really communicates your ethos and then you can work with third party delivery and logistics partners to get your product from the factory of your supplier to the doorstep of the consumer seamlessly so i would say you know the best way to do this is experimenting uh and the cost of experimentation being so low uh you know we really should see a lot more students doing it and because you say that there cannot be a better time than now now imagine a college student i i'm sure they wouldn't have uh, access to enough resources maybe what are the skill sets or the combination of skill sets that they may require that they may have or they may seek from their friends family Yeah, I can tell you here personally. You know, there's two ways of coming at this, and uh, uh, so definitely, you know, uh, having a business mind, and that could be, you know, training in uh, any of the business disciplines. You know, right from marketing 
uh, and storytelling to create demand uh, to finance, which you know helps you run a profitable business, to uh, you know any of the operations functions in business that let you streamline uh, processes. Uh, even engineers make for great you know process-driven thinking. Uh, so it doesn't have to be a business background. And then you could come at it from the other side. My brother is our creative director and he's an artist. Uh, so he really has no business training, fully speaking. But, uh, you know, he does all the uh, storytelling in terms of visuals for our brand, the photo shoots, the campaigns, uh, the blogger and influencer collabs. And when you're talking about a direct-to-consumer brand, it is all about the uh, Instagram and the Facebook and the uh, Google, you know, AdWords. Yeah, that really comes from an experience uh, with uh, experimentation. So I would say in terms of skill sets, uh, there's a broad range of skill sets. Honestly, I would recommend students to follow their passion. And regardless of which skill set they choose to excel in, uh, just try to become the best in the world at that. So uh, if you were to, to name uh, what comes first, if we were to categorize what comes first step by step, First is the idea that you said. What next? What do they need? Yeah, so you got to make the idea a reality, right? Uh, and you got to have customers that are willing to pay to buy your product. Uh, so once you have the idea... Do you do a pilot? Yeah, I would definitely do a pilot. You know, with the PAN project, before we launched for over six months, we uh, went to hundreds of customers and made them a free pair of pants uh, or pants at a nominal cost just to cover our costs. Uh, and tried, you know, what are the problems they have with fit? Uh, you know, uh, how do we get them to uh, have fabrics that they like, that have stretch in them? And in this experimentation phase, we learned a lot about what works, what they like about their favorite brands, what they can't find in the market, you know, in between sizes, extra long inseam lengths, uh, you know, real peculiarities that when we built our final solution, we were able to incorporate. Uh, so I'd say the best way to start trying it is with first friends and family, and then expanding to a broader circle from there to friends of friends and people you may not know directly. And then you can go to people who you don't know uh, at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, start out experimenting. Find if you have a manufacturing unit and you come from a family business in manufacturing, then learn the digital capabilities to take a physical product and sell it online. And if you don't, there's enough partners out there in this world who are looking for you know, young, energetic entrepreneurs to take on uh, the effort, which it takes an immense amount of effort to start a new company. Uh, it's, it's enjoyable every day, but it's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, to have energetic young people with vision do that. Does that mean that uh, you need a combination of the idea and between the idea and the execution where that pilot project and the results from that pilot project that need to be, you know, analyzed and then throughout the project in the market, if I'm reading that correctly. There's no set formula here. You know, people have done it all sorts of ways. Tell us an interesting way. Yeah, I'll give you an interesting way. You know, there was Bonobos. Uh, Bonobos does, you know, again, pants for men. That's a segment uh, I know very well. And Brian Spaley was at Stanford when he was uh, launching Bonobos and he couldn't find pants that fit him well. Uh, and so literally he was trying to solve a personal need and he ended up starting a company for it. Uh, another beautiful set of entrepreneurs rent the runway in the US, you know, Harvard graduates at Harvard uh, looking for dresses for their friends' weddings uh, and don't want to spend $10,000, you know, don't want to spend six lakh rupees on a dress from Sabyasachi or something really expensive uh, and want to wear a really nice dress to their friend's wedding. They say, why can't we go out and, you know, rent a dress? 
And so they uh, start renting their friends' moms' dresses, uh, or they start renting, you know, mock dresses from people who don't actually offer this as a service, just as a test. And they start buying dresses and giving them out to friends to rent. And from there, you know, this idea evolves into a business now that's a very successful business that professionally rents out dresses for weddings and now they do other products and has incorporated you know cleaning and dry cleaning services and a proper supply chain to manage the back and forth and yeah it started off as just an idea of you know why don't we rent dresses or airbnb came out of this airbnb was air bed and breakfast and they were literally renting out air beds not like physical rooms that you could sleep in a real bed it was air beds uh, and now they they're, they're one of the largest hoteliers in the world Amazing businesses can come out of real small personal needs. Living in times and in an age where products are sold to customers visually and informatively rather than the feel and the touch of the product. Now tell me, in such a scenario, how important is it to have a visual identity to a brand? Question one. And two, if given the fact that someone may be very tight on their budget, yet have a great product how do they ensure that they bring out the visibility and the information in a way that is appealing but why has no indian entrepreneur had the audacity to say i'm going to build something and people in france in italy in the us in latin america are going to wear answer uh, so that's where the question was and the answer came out of that uh, so it's come out of this family business with 40 years of experience in textiles. Uh, and we've then told a story around it that went in a very particular theme, you know, blue and white. Uh, so you ask about visual identity. Why limit this to just two colors? And why limit it to just one specific type of fabric? And the answer is, you know, we feel often in this world, there's so much choice. You go on Amazon, you go on Flipkart, Mintra, Jabong, you are bombarded with product. How do you know what's good and what's not? You can look at the ratings, but you have limited time and you can't go through a thousand products. Uh, so that's how we went about crafting the visual identity, you know, inspired by brands like Sa Sandra and Margin. You still come out from a family that has been in the textile business for a while. Now, going back to our basics where there's someone with a very tight budget, how do you still bring in the visual identity? It doesn't cost a lot of money to build a visual identity. You know, Nike, uh, yeah, that if you've read the book over there, Shoe Dog, uh, you know, the founder talks about he didn't have money to come up with the Nike logo. So he paid someone $25 uh, and they came up with the swoosh. The swoosh now is worth, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, so the visual identity is really built over time from communicating the ethos of a brand. And it doesn't cost anything too to take good photographs. You just need to find someone who's skilled and is willing to spend the time. A cost of a photograph is free. You just need a camera. What you need is the skills to take a good one. Uh, so I'd really work on honing your skills and becoming a creative if you wanted to do this low cost. And because you spoke about your family, now tell us what, what, what is that fine balance between having a family business uh, that has been there for decades, for generations, versus branching out and doing your own thing out of, or what are the pros of having that background? And uh, what are the cons? Do you, are, are there cons? And if there are, what are they? Yeah, you know, Yashka, the pros far outweigh the cons. Uh, in terms of pros, you know, you have a financial backing that's stable. Uh, you have family that believes in you and that can back an idea for a long period of time. Uh, they're looking to build something that's a legacy for decades and they're not in this for the short term. Um, in terms of the challenges, I wouldn't say they're cons, but they're challenges. 
you have to innovate within the structure of an established organization. Sometimes attracting this young talent and creating a new culture within a culture of a stable organization can be challenging. You have to move fast as a startup. You have to break things and keep innovating. Uh, within a family business, they could be more conservative. So you have to sort of bring people along and let them see how the downside really isn't that much. Uh, so, you know, uh, I would say sometimes I, I wish uh, more people who did not come from such a background uh, just went out and did it. Like, uh, you don't have to come from such a background. If you do, make the most of the privilege. But if you don't, that's no reason not to. And um, how would you look at the direct-to-customer brand versus the ma traditional manufacturing brand? How do you deal with the customers uh, or the customer set differently in each case? Because yeah, it's it's so different. You know, on one end, Yashika, I'm, I'm, I'm in the UK selling fabrics to Marks and Spencer uh, and uh, looking at selling a million meters of a you know large order. And then the other end, I'm here at the pan project, you know, selling one pant custom made to each customer, direct to consumer online. It's two completely different mindsets. Uh, in terms of uh, how you go about it, uh, you know, in the family business, we've hired seasoned professionals with a lot of experience who know how to deal with large enterprise customers. Um, we're far more patient in the sales cycle because we know it'll take a long time to close a large contract. Uh, and we are much more meticulous with uh, following uh, protocols and working with our clients to develop something that may take years to make, but will sell for years. Uh, in a startup that's direct to consumer, you know, you launch a new product today, it works, you do more of it, it doesn't work, tomorrow you do something else. Uh, so it's just much more experimentation. And then when you, you know, finally find something that clicks, you're like, okay, this is it, let's do this. In an age where there is so much personalization, Dhruv, you're working a brand or rather brands that thrive on personalization. And we've, as customers, we've gotten so used to personalization. I mean, the algorithms on your OTT platforms will be customized for you. So uh, tell us how difficult is it for a modern entrepreneur or for a business person to deal with this extra expectation of customization for the customer? Listen, it's the future. It's here. You have to embrace it and you got to love it. I love it. Uh, I think once you go custom made, you never go back to off the rack. It's just too good a value proposition. Um, and in terms of how to deal with it, luckily, as you said, we have the technology. So we just asked our clients some very basic questions, you know, which band do you typically shop? Where do you like to wear your pants? You know, low rise, mid rise, high rise, where do you like them to end? You know, at your shoes, a little bit above, a little bit below. And once we've asked a few questions, we've asked them how tall they are, uh, what fit they like, you know, slim, tapered, or relaxed. With that information, we can quite accurately recommend a pair of pants. So the technology exists to personalize things. Um, and I think along with personalization, there's this trend of, you know, omni-channel. So you personalize something, and you were talking about look and feel and touch and feel earlier. Uh, so a customer can not touch a product online. And I think there is where traditional retail meets direct-to-consumer. You have these small experience centers. You do pop-up shops. You do events. And that's where customers can touch and feel your brand and then shop it online. Once they've touched the fabric, once they've seen the pants, and so they've seen your home products, your skincare, once they've experienced a sample of your product, then they're ready to buy digitally forever. That's an interesting point you bring up. Tell me about historical data then, Dhruv. Because you're saying that 
once they are or say this this is i think about trust once they once you've established the credibility and the trust you know they are yours forever because you said then you know one wouldn't go back to a non customized uh, product then what is the importance of historical data and how do you use that data yeah and you know that's how we build trust so the first thing is the client is trusting you with their information you need to make sure that information is stored in a way that is never given out to anyone you know you don't give it to someone to email market them or spam them the other trust is you're making a promise to a client you're getting a high quality product with service and the trust is built through that service element so you know when yashika for example orders something on our site we know her previous you know measurements and her previous fit and and how she felt about her previous product so we make sure the second product she gets from us is even better in experience and we correct all the possible mistakes that could have been in the first order could even lose money on a single order but we're thinking of this from perspective of a relationship of trust with the client for their lifetime and the number of clothes a client buys over the 20 30 50 years that they're with you as a brand is so much more than the cost of an alteration which could be a few hundred rupees uh, so trust is really built thinking long term and trust is built making a promise to a customer and consistently delivering it that's what a brand does that's what a brand is uh, a consistent promise delivered over time of course we've seen that with the pandemic the work culture has changed uh, work from home or the hybrid work scenario is the new norm how have the customer tastes evolved or uh, changed with time and how do they take to workplace dressing yeah so much changed there you know firstly from the traditional family business perspective we were a company that used to make primarily suiting fabrics and suits uh, we've moved away from that uh, smart casual which is why i asked you that question i was like you know on one hand you have the suited shirted and all formal and uh, and on the other hand you have the chill pants which yeah smart casuals as well as at yashika i mean uh, people are really looking to look good even when you're working from home you know you don't want to working in your boxers and all is cool for a while after some time you feel better you think better when you look good uh, so i don't think that's going anywhere So speaking of uh, education uh, tell us dhruv you come from a, what are the influences of having a, a strong background in finance management uh, when it comes to being an entrepreneur yeah you know my my background at wharton was in finance and financial modeling uh, i've worked on uh, cases on wall street with banks for you know risk management uh, and honestly there's two ways to go about this startup for anyone who wants to do it you have to really think about what your end game is uh you know one of the end games is to raise venture capital funding and uh, you know really grow this startup extremely fast get it to be one of those unicorns and uh it doesn't matter if the startup is making money or not like uber uh, but it's just growing really fast and people are using it and then you can get an exit and sell it or ipo the company um my style honestly is way more conservative uh, even though i love the idea of fast growth and we are fortunately growing very fast I still think you know unit economics per pant that I ship or per product that I sell on Ansa I need to be making money. Uh the business needs to have cash flow. It needs to be in a place that you know my cost structures work out in such a way that after the cost of manufacturing, the cost of marketing, the cost of packaging, the cost of my salaries, I still make a decent margin. Uh and I'd rather grow the business at a slower, you know, pace that's a little more conservative but profitable over the years. sustainable what sort of skills or what sort of uh, careers 
will come up in the e-commerce space in the coming times according to you so many you know as an investor i'm looking always to invest in companies that are helping power e-commerce now what i mean by that is software um there's people building the zoho crm a customer relationship management platform there's people building razorpay you know a software to integrate payments into your e-commerce site there's delivery and wefast and dunzo and all of these hyper local logistics startups each element of the supply chain that's required to take a physical product from the factory to sell it on a website and get it to your door just think of any part of that value chain and build something there uh, that has immense value uh warehousing solutions uh, you have uh, tools that improve your facebook marketing so you could be you know in any of the disciplines right from marketing to tech to operations and logistics to finance and be making a killing making an enterprise business to business startup that sells to brands uh, it's for me one of the most sexy businesses in the world and for a lot of people uh, so boring um tell us what are some of the skills that you feel will be be necessary in building businesses for entrepreneurs if you were to name two or three of i would think the soft skills are more important than the hard ones so obviously you know being a really good coder is like having superpowers in this world uh but if you aren't one you can hire one uh, what's impossible to do is that intuition and feeling for business that drive that passion that an entrepreneur has the ability to attract talent you know when you talk to people just being like oh my god i want to work with that person uh the ability to get clients excited about your product uh be like wow that's just an amazing experience or even when the client is upset just to listen to them calmly and be like listen i heard you i understand your issue here it's a real problem and trust me i'm here to help you fix it um so empathy empathy is probably the number one skill i would think the entrepreneur of the future has to have what are the two most important uh, challenges that you have had to overcome in a fast growing startup in the e-commerce space only two uh, we've had hundreds and i keep having <laughs> more than two every day <laughs> which is why i said let's just let's just bring down the number to the two most important ones uh i mean there's so many um, i think uh, number one is uh, scaling up uh, back end operations you know we have a factory that can do 10000 pants a day but ensuring every single pant that comes off there is of the same quality because you know the customer for him he's only getting one pant so you can be for example a restaurant you serve hundreds of customers every day the fact of the matter is the day yashika goes to eat is the only day she's gone in many months to that restaurant and she will judge the restaurant on that one meal uh, so you know making sure every experience for every customer is of such a high quality that's one of them and the second one is demand creation you know you have to do something new innovative every day the the consumer nowadays is so so many options that keeping their attention is so difficult that you have to keep being at the cutting edge to keep their attention what would you do what would you do differently listen i'm on this podcast guys throw me ideas man i i could use with lots of ideas for what to do uh, we're trying to do a lot of things you know we're working with a startup in augmented reality pushing the bounds of you know technology uh, to try to do you know yeah 
AR filters for Instagram. Uh, we're working with, uh, you know, we're actually looking to create our own media company. So I think one thing a lot of people say is you have to advertise on Facebook, Instagram, and Google to get customers. I truly don't believe that. I was with a company that makes t-shirts last weekend. They said they only spend 5% of their annual budget on marketing. And how do they run a sustainable business? They have 75% of their customers coming back, you know, and shopping with them again, repeat customers. And more than half their customers shop at least once a month on their site. So if you can get a loyal base of customers, word of mouth is still the best way to market. And uh, you just build an amazing product. That's that's the way. That's that's the future of it. Not not throwing money to digitally market. I mean, anyone can do that. You know, you know, Dhruv, I I I like that you throw in those um, those moments of I'm still a little old school here and I'm still a little old school there. Uh, which brings me to uh, uh, I'm talking about culture because you've been in multiple countries. Uh, you, uh, I know that you're fond of multiple languages. Uh, tell us how important is it and what is the influence that it brings to a business? Yeah, you know, you're talking about family values. That's one part of building a sustainable, you know, long-term business. When you talk about cultures and languages, we live in India, a country of different states and languages. You go to every part of the country and it's like you're in Europe at a different part. Like Each part of the country is so unique. Uh, so serving these micro markets requires a huge sensitivity to what do people in the north want? What do people in the south like? How do people in the east, you know, want their clothes to fit? What festivals and local, you know, we do specific marketing campaigns for like Onam. We do something specific for Eid. We do something specific for, uh, you know, uh, Holi. We do the, the national festivals and then you do something for the regional festivals. Uh, so... Uh, in India, I think the company, and we've not done this yet, the company that can serve each customer in their native language is the next you know, trillion dollar company out of India. Uh, if you can have a site that translates to every major regional dialect and you have customer support that can connect with the customer in the language of their heart. And the reason I say is the customer may speak English and Hindi, but when you talk to a customer in the language that is their native language, you go straight to their heart. Otherwise it's just in their head, it's cerebral. Uh, so uh, that emotional connect is what will drive a long-term relationship. So tell us two ways in which uh, youngsters today, they need to be financially prudent. If there are tips, if there are tricks. The, you know, don't take financial advice from someone who's not a financial advisor. Uh, so take what I say with a caveat. Uh, but uh, apart from that, you know, start saving early. Uh, small savings uh, at the age of 18, 19, in your early 20s. Compound over the years uh, with even a moderate return of 10, 12, 15% a year to be large, large sums of money by the time you're ready to retire. Uh, so, you know, the it's never too late to start saving, start today, as cliched as that may be. Um, and the other thing is always, you know, this is the family values. We try to live within our means. So you may have a lot of money, but try to live at 10% of what you could be. Uh, and uh, that way you'll always know you have a cushion to fall back on and you can be aggressive with the opportunities that come your way. And then as, as, as Warren Buffett, someone I really look up to says is, you know, when it's raining, you know, put out the bucket, not a thimble. Uh, so, uh, you know, when, when you have something that's working for you, then swing big. There's no need to, you know, fear. Don't hold back. Be fearless. Tell us what achievement means to you. 
honestly to me achievement uh, it may sound uh, something that you don't expect you're from an entrepreneur but it's equanimity uh, so i'm a huge vipassana meditator and for me achievement is just you know being in the moment and no matter how good or bad your business is uh, just understanding that that's the experience okay so may you continue creating customizing and uh, may you continue thriving thanks for being on the show dhruv thanks yashika uh i really hope you do create a lot of achievers out of this show uh i'm sure uh, you're sowing the seeds for the future generations of india thanks for tuning in feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section do rate us on apple podcasts if you like the episode subscribe or hit follow voice of achievers on apple podcasts google podcasts hubhopper spotify Geo Savan, Ghana, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers dot com or find us on voiceofachievers dot com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on EP Log Media.